GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, and I believe that on-chain trust verification is going to change the world. That's why I'm carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Welcome to another episode. Today we have joining us Sandy Carter, the Chief Operating Officer at Unstoppable Domains, to talk about AI safety and how blockchain resolves this. Look, we're all afraid of AI, and rightfully so. AI creates an opportunity for us to produce content at a scale like never before. Not only can we produce content at a scale like never before, but we can produce content that looks like it came from somebody we trust, such as a deep fake of a president or an AI song by Drake. There is so much potential now for us to be misled on the internet. And that is a big problem, a massive problem that we are just beginning to understand. So we're all afraid and we should be. But blockchain provides the answer. And today, Sandy is going to tell us how blockchain provides the answer to the problem that AI is presenting and how Unstoppable Domains is building an ecosystem to solve for trusted digital identity, for a verified digital identity that we so desperately need online to ensure that we are not misled. Here we are not reading or digesting content that is fake. And fake content, we all know, is one of the biggest risks for our society today because it can lead to massive issues. It can have a ripple effect far beyond just one person reading it. It can lead to civil unrest. It can lead to debate and to wars and the things that are very scary. So this is a really serious issue. And Sandy does a great job of breaking it down because Sandy has so much experience before joining Unstoppable Domains. Sandy worked at Microsoft and at Amazon and was part of the AI experimentation early days in those companies. So she's seen how AI has developed she recently spoke at a conference in front of 500 leading CIOs about how blockchain is going to help solve the AI issues. So she just brings such a wealth of experience, not to mention Unstoppable Domains has such a unique perspective of the Web3 ecosystem because they are really one of the leaders of creating our on-chain identity over 3.6 million domains have been purchased through Unstoppable Domains, so the largest domain provider for on-chain domains. And these domains that they had purchased, over 30 million transactions happen every week using these domains that have been purchased. So there's a lot of activity that Unstoppable is privy to that they are seeing such an important conversation that we're going to dive into today. Also, make sure you stick around to the end because Sandy has a really exciting announcement of something that launched Monday. If you're listening to the podcast, this would be yesterday that this just launched. So make sure you check that out. 
one final thing. This week, we are beginning to celebrate some big things at Web3 Academy. Web3 Academy 2.0 is about to launch, about to begin. So make sure you're checking out our Twitter because this week, Web3 Academy 2.0 launches. It kicks off a roadmap of multiple weeks of things that we are shipping. Doers be doing, and we have been doing a lot in the background, and we can't wait for you guys to see everything that is going to come out over the next few months, starting this week. And it starts this week with a launch of our new brand. And to go with that, to celebrate that, we have an open edition mint that you can mint on Zora. So check out the link in the show notes. That's a free mint. You're just going to have to pay a little bit of gas, but otherwise a free mint and you can collect our new brand and show your support for everything we're doing at Web3 Academy. And maybe if you collect this one and you follow along Web3 Academy 2.0 and collect a few other things coming up in the coming weeks, there might be something for you at the end. So make sure you are collecting and participating in all the exciting things we have going on here at Web3 Academy. Let's jump into the show. Before we do, take a minute to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Did you know that Web3 users lose billions of dollars every year due to phishing attacks? If you've been in this space long enough, then you or someone you know has probably fallen victim to one of these scams. This is why we've partnered with WAG, your guardian in this digital wilderness. WAG is a tool designed to help you spot the difference between malicious links and legit ones. With WAG, you can rest easy knowing that every link you click on is safe. This is an absolute game changer for Web3. As part of our partnership with WAG, we'll be using their platform to create verifiable links so that our community feel safe, knowing that what they're clicking on is the real deal. And if you don't have a community to protect and you're just looking to protect yourself, WAG has you covered with safe stops, which tell you exactly who created the link you're clicking on. Head to the link in the description, click it, see that it's verified by Web3 Academy, and start protecting yourself today. Just use the code FREE1000 when signing up, and if you're among the first 1,000 users, you'll get free access for life. Sandy, how you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Live from Paris. I'm great. How about you? How's ETHCC? Oh, man. So far, it's been amazing. A little tiring, but amazing. We had two events today live at Paris, and then we had another gig down at the auditorium. And now I'm here waiting for you guys to share everything with the East Coast. 
Eastern West Coast, I guess I should say. Just working working 24 hours a day while you're across the pond. It is true. That is what we do when we're on at events, right? There's so many interesting things going on and so many parties and sightings and everything else, right? It's also just the world of Web3. Amazing to be able to work so globally, but you never sleep. You never get off it. Excited, Sandy, to be talking about the connection between AI and blockchain, to be hearing the announcement. I know Unstoppable has a big announcement today. So excited to share that announcement with everybody. And also excited to talk about how Unstoppable is leading the way for digital identity and what that looks like and how people can start to use and build their digital identity in order to protect us all from AI and what that's going, how that's going to impact everybody. So much to talk about today. I am stoked. I'm really excited. It's just an energy where we're really, I think, you know, XRP just got, got everybody buzzing again. The energy is back. We're back. It feels good. Yeah, I completely agree. Talking to Brian, who's their CMO, and he was like, yeah, this is so amazing. He was really excited. So what, you know, the decision was and every, as you would imagine, right? Yeah. Have you noticed an energy at ECC that's been different from past events so far this year? Well, you know, ECC is a special event. They sell out their tickets in 10 minutes. I mean, it's crazy. They did that last year. They did that again this year. What I found really interesting, though, is that the sponsors this year are completely different than sponsors last year. And I did find that quite interesting, you know. A lot of the, the same old, same old people that I would have expected were not there and some brand players in the space, which I hadn't seen before. So it's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. New sponsors means new energy, new money flowing in, new ideas. Everyone's pushing more in the direction of real utility and real use cases and away from speculative PFPs, which is a great thing for all of us. There's so much positivity in the space. All right, let's kick her off. So today we're talking all about why AI is good for blockchain. And today's topic really came out of, Sandy, you've spoken about this in an article that you wrote where you really talked about the challenges that are going to arise from AI. Already we're seeing this, but we're going to see it exponentially as AI starts to increase its, basically its output of content. So we're going to talk all about that. And we're also going to talk about an announcement that is coming out of Unstoppable today. Some exciting stuff coming out of Unstoppable. So before we jump in, Sandy, I just want to give you a chance to give a brief introduction about yourself. Can you give us a little idea of what your role is Unstoppable and a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So I am currently the CEO of Unstoppable Domains. And that means I have a super fun job looking after basically everything except for engineering. So I have the marketing, sales, the communications, legal, all the kind of non-inch functions that you need for a uh, growing startup. We did become a unicorn. Really excited about that. Pantera was our lead investor and it's fun meeting them here in Paris as well. I guess I should say some of them here in Paris, not the whole company here in Paris as well. Our platform is a owned a uh, identity management platform, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. But our overall mission or goal is to get a digital identity into the hands of everyone on the planet. A little bit about me. I came from uh, Amazon Web Services. That was my previous role. I was driving, at first, the enterprise business for Amazon. 
So that was working uh, with and partnering with determining product management requirements for enterprise level platforms. And so we grew that business in the space, partnering up with Microsoft and VMware and SAP, all the big enterprise players who own the space at the data center. And after I was able to do that, I started looking at our revenue industries and in particular, a lot of the emerging tech. And so, you know, that led us into looking at blockchain. A lot of the regulated industries, DOD, healthcare, financial services, playing around with blockchain. And I just found it so fascinating. Their reasons for using it, the depth of security and programmability and operability that was there in the chain and why they were picking it. But, you know, like hospitals who have some of the largest supply chains or DOD that has some of the largest supply chains were using it for a ledger. And so that got me really fascinated. It started going down the hole on blockchain, fell in love with the chain, and then was also asked at other emerging tech like AR and VR, that spatial computing that people were using for training. And so I was doing all of that, doing a side projects because I just love that space. And then uh, one of our co-founders came up to meet me in Seattle. We had a dinner and he explained the vision of digital identity and why it was so crucial as blockchain and whole space grew up. And so started taking a leap and moved over for the startup area, for sure. So that was kind of the background of the history that I've experienced so far. Give us some context. How big is Unstoppable now? How big is the team? You mentioned that you guys are a unicorn. You've done some big raises. Can you give us more context around that? Sure. Yeah, we are a unicorn. We raised $65 million later last year. And uh, let's see, we're about $100 million. We have 3.6 million domains. So we're the largest domain provider on the planet right now. We have more integrations. We have 807 integrations, which gives utility to our domains. So right, we're the, you know, Sandeep said it best. He's the CEO of Polygon today at our event. He said, we're the largest player and the largest utility-based player, which I think is amazing. Yes, that is that's exactly what we need in this space. More people that are pushing the utility of Web3. And identity is obviously one of the biggest use cases that we get so excited about with blockchain. I want to talk about the integrations that you're building and how you're building Unstoppable and the exciting things you guys are working on. But we're going to get to that later. First off, for today's episode, because we're going to be talking about AI and blockchain, I want to set some context. I think one thing that a lot of people a lot of people question, is AI part of blockchain? And so I want to start with a definition of Web3. And I'll go first with what our definition is at Web3 Academy. And then Sandy, I would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, unstoppable. So from our point of view, Web3 includes three main buckets. One bucket is blockchain. And within blockchain, you have two sort of sub-pillars. One is the financial revolution that is happening as a result of crypto. And the other is the digital ownership revolution that is happening as a result of NFTs and fungible tokens for that matter. So we would split it into sort of two categories. They come under the blockchain category of Web3. The second bucket within Web3 for us is AI. And we see AI as being the bucket that is really right now large language models is probably the biggest part of that bucket. 
And we see that as being a big part of the future of the internet, which is what, when we think about Web3, we are always thinking about the future of the internet because we believe that it, over the next few years, large language models are going to become a key way that we access the internet. Right now, we use ChatGPT, but it doesn't yet have the connection to the internet unless you're going to go and use plugins and build it yourself to be an AI agent. Most of us aren't yet using it for a direct connection to the internet, but that is coming very soon. So that's our second bucket is AI. And then our third bucket in Web3 is what we would call immersive experiences. Some people might use the term metaverse, although metaverse is a bit vague to us still. So we prefer to say immersive experiences. And what we fit within immersive experiences is really AR, VR. So when you think about the Apple goggles would fit into that space of this creation of all this new hardware as well as new ways, new softwares, new apps that allow us to have an immersive experience on the web. And that bucket is sort of, we don't talk as much about the immersive experience bucket of Web3 only because it is slower right now to develop. It takes longer to, to build the metaverse. It takes longer to build this hardware. The Apple hardware is just launched. There's still not a ton of apps and a ton of use cases of what you can do there. That's our definition of Web3 is breaking those three down as we have blockchain, we have AI, and then we have immersive experiences. Sandy, how do you guys think about Web3? So our definition is very similar, but we call it a movement, actually. Web3 is a movement, and the movement is around decentralizing the internet to create the internet future. So very similar to you in that Web3 is the next generation of the internet. We believe that one of the things you didn't talk about that we think is really important about Web3 is that Web3 allows for individual ownership of identity and data. And so us, the ownership part is really important because it moves forward a lot of the, I don't know, badness is not the right word, <laughs> but a lot of the things that is wrong with what we have today. So for us, our basic assumptions is that it decentralized. Digital identity is owned. It's in the chain. It's community first, which is really, I think, around your experience as you move forward. And then it's ownership. So decentralization, identity built on chain, community-based, and all about ownership. Yeah, completely agree. Ownership is at the core of the blockchain piece of Web3, which is Digital ownership has never been possible before. Okay, so I want to talk about ownership of identity, but not quite yet. Let's start first with Sandy. What's your view right now on the problems that AI is creating? And then I want to lead into how blockchain and ownership of identity can solve, be a solution for those problems. Yeah, so I just actually spoke at an AI conference and one of the things I didn't go into my background is I've been working in or around AI for almost years. I was on the team Watson, IBM Watt was announced about 10 years ago, and I was on that team. So everybody thinks that AI is brand spanking new, and it obviously is not because there are just so many things that were pulled from IBM Watson, and we can chat about that too, and what I think learned or pulled from Watson that has really progressed us forward. And I also worked on AI at AWS. There was tons of stuff that 
and around, you know, creation of a new way to teach reinforced learning, different learning models that we did and built. And so for me, I've seen about some of the gaps in artificial intelligence. I guess that was a long way to say that's why I was invited to speak at this AI conference was because of the combination of what I think is AI and Web3, and I have some history in both. The first one is the ability to determine what is true. So this was uh, the session I went to was about 500 CEOs from enterprise companies, and they said their biggest concern was how do you something is fake using AI? So we've seen, you know, videos pop up of Cruise. Is it really Tom Cruise or not? Pictures of the Pope and a puffer jacket. Is it really that <laughs> voice, you know, coming out now? Is it real or not? A lot of corporations are now concerned that their message may be distorted or changed by these bad actors because of the power of AI and what's happening today. So I think that a lot of what we're seeing has to do with the deep fakes. The second big thing I think people are concerned about with AI hallucinations. So, you know, you can go and search. And the way that learning models work is that if there is a gap, then the learning model fill in the gap. And sometimes when they fill in the gap, the data is not true. So actually, I was trying to help my daughter with one of her book reports and the teacher gave them permission to use ChatGPT. And when we went in there and we were searching for things, ChatGPT did a great job. It came back with these references, you know, this book, page 17, you know, paragraph three, we were like, wow, this is perfect. Until we realized the book didn't exist, the page didn't exist, <laughs> the data didn't exist. AI had filled in the gap on all of that. I think these hallucinations will be, you know, the second big area. And the third one I will end with is just who owns the data. We talked about a ship of data. That's a real hallmark of Web3. So, you know, there's been all these cases now, Samsung saying that they accidentally input confidential data into open AI, wanted data back, and then losing that case because, you know, the terms of service say that if you input it in, the data is now theirs and they can sit and leverage it as they see fit. So I think for me, those are the big three. I don't know. Do you think I missed any? Those are definitely the big three. Let's talk about how blockchain can be a part of, solving may not be the right word, but uh, assisting in mitigating these challenges. Because as you said, and especially when we think about the deep fake one, when Twitter launched Twitter Blue, that same day, a whole bunch of people said, okay, we're going to create spoof accounts, right? And they made fake accounts saying that they were president or saying they were some corporation and you paid eight dollars and you got the blue check mark and a lot of people believed at that point that oh anything with the blue check mark was verified it was true and this is the problem right now that's our way of verification is we have this paid model where the only way to verify is okay you pay eight dollars a month or if you're a corporation i think it's like a thousand dollars a month on twitter and now Okay, you get the blue check mark, and that means you're legit, but anybody can pay that money and can create a fake account. And I can't remember the corporation, but there was a, um, I think it was a private jet company that their stock fell like 50% because somebody made a fake account using the Twitter blue and talked about how they were doing some sort of basically just made up stuff about the company. 
and it plunged their stock. So there's real financial implications, real causing real pain to corporations, to people's livelihood. Like this is a serious issue. Not to mention, you know, the potential of people making a deep fake of the president saying something that they're not actually saying. I'm sure we've all seen deep fakes of whether it's past presidents or current presidents. It's incredible the ability of AI to make very convincing content that will mislead us. So, Sandy, how does blockchain solve for this problem? Yeah. And I think this is a really crucial point because I actually think that this problem will accelerate adoption of blockchain. So, you know, you talked about the ripple win. I think that's an accelerator. I think that AI is going to be an accelerator of blockchain as well. So if you think about blockchain, when you're using a blockchain, you get these hashes in the chain. And those hashes serve as a tool that can prove whether an image or a video has not changed or not undergone any type of alteration over time. Those fingerprints, if you would, can't be easily modified and they can really help protect a content's integrity. And what it means is that if you can create a blockchain-based solution, that solution can make it increasingly difficult for all of these bad actors out there to tamper with digital content because every chain is then permanently and verifiable. So for example, you know, when you saw the Pope in the puffer jacket, one of the things that you see if you look, if that was actually recorded on chain, you could see that that had been messed with. It was, it was not verifiable. There were things manipulated in it. And so now if you tie that to a wallet, now it's possible to link that verified credential to a digital person. So Unstoppable, one of the things that we do is we allow a user to attach a whole range of blockchain assets to their digital identity. Those could be education certificates or NFTs, or I have made all of my purchases digitally carbon. And so now what you can do is now you can link that with Prasada and you can determine, first of all, if whatever was created was created by a bot or a real person. And then second, you can verify that the data used to create whatever created was created by that person or whoever said it was that person. We see a lot of interesting things happening here where the chain can actually help you to validate, serve as a trust verification to deliver that for Web3. So for example, let's say that that Forbes article that I wrote, we could actually have similar blue check mark on that article certifies that I actually wrote that through a signature request. Could actually show up in the article that said this had been verified by Sandy on this particular date. I have to give consent that that audio and video depiction or representation is really true to me and that can help me. T- so I think over time, people will start looking for content that has trust verified by the chain. And, you know, it's through that digital identity to ensure that we have a safer web. And I do, if you know, if you look at the number of news articles published every year, and now people are questioning, is that data true or false or what's really going on? I think this could 
scale game changer for blockchain. I love the perspective that AI is going to expedite the adoption of blockchain because that's not a perspective that I think most of us look at. I think a lot of us in the Web3 space and, and in the blockchain space saw AI come out and it kind of stored up under and all the funding started to flow towards AI and there was a little bit of a, I don't know, competitive spirit of like blockchain versus AI. But I think you are so right that there is going to be a desire for users to have more verified content. And at the same time, there's a desire for creators to be able to manage their verification in a more simple way. Uh, the best, one of the simplest examples of this was uh, was Drake when all of a sudden there was AI Drake popping up everywhere and there was these songs. They were getting millions of views on YouTube because they were, it was great music. It's incredible that it was made by an AI, but it sounded exactly like Drake and the songs were, you know, it was very well-produced songs. And now Drake is sitting there and his team, he's got to get his lawyers involved and they've got to go and contact a whole bunch of, they got to contact YouTube and get this stuff removed. He's got to get his team involved to make sure his social media team to, to make sure that they're telling everybody, hey, this isn't me, right? This isn't actually one of my songs. So there's a lot of friction that is created. And let's be clear, there was always fake content. That is nothing new. The creation of fake content is nothing new. What is new is the speed with which it can be created and the quantity that can be created as a result of AI. So there is more of a need for verification because where there might have been fake content, maybe there was a little bit of fake content in the past. Now there's the potential for there to be a tidal wave of fake content. And so that makes it even harder for us as users and us as business owners and corporations to verify. Can I stop you just for one second there? Because I think this is important too. You know, what's really fascinating to me is uh, before the Pope was discovered with him in a puffer jacket that turned out to be fake, I went to a, a red carpet event that Darcy had held. She was releasing her NFT collection and a couple other things. So I went to her red carpet event. It was cold. So we had on formal dresses, but I forgot to bring a jacket. All I had was puffer. Mm -hmm. So I actually wore my puffer on the red carpet with my dress and took a pic. Somebody else took a picture and they posted it. Got tons of likes, almost, you know, kind of went by, you know, like a thousand likes kind of thing. Not like the Pope's, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then the Pope's picture came out and people are like, oh, Andy, the Pope's copying you. And then once the Pope's picture was determined it was fake, people were asking prove that my content was real. Really? I'm seeing that almost, yeah, people were like, oh, Sandy, you faked that picture. I'm like, no, that's a picture. So I'm almost seeing two sides of the coin, right? One is, you know, let's make sure this isn't fake. But the second one is verify that this is true. And I think the verification of this is true, that side of the coin is handled really awesomely with the blockchain. So anyway, I wanted to tell the story because I found it very fascinating that, you know, while people were condemning the Pope for having a fake picture, people were asking me, is this picture real at the same time, right? Isn't yeah. that interesting? That's fascinating. I mean, it comes full circle, right? As more people start to have a sense of a lack of trust for content, then as you said, they will question all content right? Even even somebody they might know, a friend of theirs or somebody that they, 
like you're a colleague and they say, wait a second, was Sandy actually wearing that puffer or did I get duped by Sandy? Right. Yeah. And so and then the question is, how do you prove it? Right? Yeah. That's so okay. kind of so, interesting. But okay. Let's go on. That's exactly yeah. So how, how do you prove it? So for um, Unstoppable, the way we are proving it is through something called trust verification. And what this enables you to do is leveraging your digital identity. You can actually have a signed request, you know, just as you go in and you have to sign something with your crypto wallet, right? You go in and, you, and you're something and it says, oh, are you sure sign this to prove that you really want to do this? And you can verify content in the same way with your digital identity, because now you have to verify not only is the content real, but the content came from you. And a better way to do that than to use a digital identity platform to do that so that you can come in and have that account, you know, which you have with your with your domain, verify that what you are seeing is real and true, you know, whether it's audio or visual or video or whatever it is. And you can then verify that. So I do think that in the future, people will start hunting for the tags that say, oh, this content's real and this content is verified by Andy or the Pope or whoever, you know, whoever it is, whoever we're talking about. Here's the question on my mind. And I'm, I'm curious, Sandy, what your take on this is like, how do we get to this adoption? Because I understand and I think most of us understand that blockchain is the solution to verification of content. But what needs to happen for us to get there? And maybe you have examples of apps that are integrating Unstoppable that allow for that. But we sort of have this chicken and egg issue where right now, where we all pr produce content does not have blockchain. We all produce content in Web2 platforms, right? And they're not integrating blockchain. So I'm curious, do you think that Web2 platforms, and maybe you have some behind the scenes knowledge of are Web2 platforms going to be first to integrate blockchain and require that you connect a wallet and then, as you said, click a button to say, yeah, I verified that this is true and this is from me and it's going to connect back to your wallet address, which will be verified on chain, whether it's your .eth or your .polygon or .nft or whatever domain you choose as your central identity. Is it going to be the Web2 side that's going to adopt it or is it going to be up and coming Web3 players like Lens or Forecaster or Caragraph on the newsletter side, are they going to be the ones that have create this, this adoption of using blockchain to verify our content? Well, here's what I can share with you is that, you know, that AI conference I went to with 500 CIOs, those are all Web2 CIOs. Those are all like the big names that you know and love. And they asked me to come do a because this was the number one concern and they all wanted to know how do I fix this? What can I do to fix this? Even here at EC, we've had several brands talk about it as well. Maybe not in the exact words, but for identification of fakes using blockchain, LBHM was one, right? The Louis Vuitton. I talked at uh, ECC where they talked about using blockchain to identify fakes, not identify fakes. I thought that was an interesting use case too. Not necessarily a fake as we know it, maybe created by AI, but fake, you know, good or something that they will extend as they move forward. So I think that Web2 will start to adopt blockchain more because of this use. That being said, I also see, you know, today had a session, we had over 460 partners sign up 
and we talked about how blockchain can help with defakes. And I probably had 27, 28 Web3 companies come up to me saying, this is really hard. Can we work with you to solve this problem? So, you know, who will move fastest? I think Web3 will move fastest. Who might have the most impactful results to date because it's just so much more widespread maybe to because web two just doesn't move as fast as web three <laughs> at least from what i've seen anyway yeah no i mean i think really as a nature of the size of the team right you know startups are agile and move fast and large corporations mostly public companies move slow the only one that seems to be moving fast is twitter these days but that's just because elon is a you know, an incredible, <laughs> an incredible man that just pushes things. He's a machine. He's a machine, right? Like he just makes decisions and pushes for the yeah. for good or for bad without getting into there's, he makes some correct decisions and some not so correct. Yeah, yeah. But at yeah, least he, I agree. he pushes forward. I want to talk about, about the other two issues that AI presents of hallucinations and ownership of data. Do you see blockchain helping with solving those issues as well? So on the hallucinations, I think that is probably more on the learning model side, providing the data to learn from, I think is crucial and very important. I don't see blockchain playing a big role there, but on the third one, on protecting your data, I do again think that, that the that data is used and leveraged today in a Web 2 world is very different. Than, and I think in Web 3, that there will be a stronger sense of that data owner. So let me explain what I mean by that. If you think about Web 2 today, and we've got lawsuits going on right now, right? That was my book. That was my content. And you use that. You skirt the internet and you use that data. I didn't give you permission to use that data, but use that data. I don't know if she's going to win the lawsuit or not, but it is an interesting concept because in Web 2, sign into any of the platforms that are out there and all are equally, you know, the same, whether it's Google or TikTok or Twitter or, you know, whatever you log into, for the convenience of logging into that platform, you know, you give rights to some of your data to that platform. And that data is no yours. So I'm going to be interested to see where the courts come out on that because I'm wondering if because that data was used in certain areas, maybe it will deem public data. Now, if you flip over to Web3, the beauty of Web3, that data is yours. We talked earlier on about ownership, who owns the data. And because you own that data, now you have to get permission for it to be used. And so I think there, that unless you provide permission for that data to be used, that can help solve this problem because a large learning model, scraping something would have to ask you for the data. Now, you could say yes, just like, you know, Samsung said yes, right? When they did what they did, one of their employees said, yes, you know, this data are yours. Same kind of thing. You could say yes to the data, but I think it's more protected in a Web3 environment than what we see today in Web2, where most of your data is just, you know, taken from you. And in fact, just, I don't know, two weekends ago, three weekends ago, a friend of mine one of their sons was diagnosed with a very severe illness and one that's very rare. And so the doctor told him, when you get home, Google it. So he and his wife went home and they started Googling it, making sure 
that they understood it before they were the rest of the family. And before they could really consume it, really understand it, because of what they had done on Google in this particular case, already started ads on insurance, on, you know, places that study rare diseases that can help with rare diseases. And so and that's kind of the kind the kind of thing, you know, if that had been done web three browser, in order to be able to use that data to serve the ad, you would have had to get permission to that. Whereas in the web two world, that's not the case today. Yeah, I think so much about the simple analogy of right now when you log in to a website, you log in with by giving them your data. You log in with Facebook or with Twitter or with Google, whatever form you use. Whereas in Web3, you will connect wallet. And when you connect wallet, you will have a question of what do you give permission for this app to take from your wallet, to act, take is probably the wrong word, to access from your wallet because the app will need data. And I think one thing that's important to understand is we need data in order to create great apps. So for those who are privacy policy maxis, security maxis who are out there saying, well, I'm not going to share any of my data. Well, you're not going to have a good experience. That you do need to give some data, but what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to say, okay, I give permission to this app to have access to my data. And then in the future, you'll be able to say, oh, I no longer want to my data and you'd be able to end that access. Whereas right now there is no end to that access. The the app this app actually owns your data forever. You can't take it back or take it away. So it's very exciting to think about when we will have this ability to use our wallet as our central piece. And that's really what Unstoppable is, you know, you guys are leading the way on that by encouraging us all to create a digital identity and then connect our, build out our on-chain data, build out our identity around that digital identity. I'm curious, Sandy, how many, I don't know if you have numbers on this or an idea of this. So you have 3.6 people that have purchased domains from Unstoppable. How many of those are, are actively using that domain as a digital identity. Do you have insight around that? I wish I did. It's a question I ask my team all the time. This is what we do know. So if you think one of the most common use cases for a domain, it's resolving a crypto wallet, right? And in fact, we would actually say you're going to sign with a domain, which may represent multiple wallets, not necessarily that going to sign with just a wallet. And so if you look at kind of the numbers there, we do about 30 million resolutions a week. <laughs> so 30 million resolutions a week for just that crypto, you know, resolution. And so that, I think that's really interesting to me because it that that is a top use case and that that really is driving a lot of utility. Now, and that's only people who use our API. We know that there are hundreds of apps that don't use the API. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, that's 50 API calls a second, mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. 50 API calls, 24 hours a day. And so, you know, then if you think, okay, now let's look at, and again, we can't really tell like who's overlapping, but we know that we've got 75 domain holders. 
who update their domain records every week. So that could be added a new PFP, I've added a new avatar, I added a new wallet. Could be additional on top of that as well. And then we've got uses for the 870 different applications. So I guess that's all to say there's a lot of happen usage happening. I just don't know that means, you know, one of every two or, you know, whatever. But it is, I would guess I would say it appears to be a lot of action happening. Yes, certainly those numbers give great insight to the usage of the identity. You mentioned some are using one domain for multiple wallets. What would be an example of that? Well, maybe I have an Ethereum-based wallet. Maybe I have a Solana-based wallet. So I might have multiple wallets that I add. And then what the digital identity does. So if you guys, you know, all you can do is, um, let me see if I can tweet this out and I'll post it as a pinned there. If you type in, you know, if you look at me backslash sandy.nft, just for fun, that pulls from multiple wallets to provide you all that data about me. Now, some of the data, so you can't see everything, but it does pull from multiple wallets. And so you can have, can't have more than one Ethereum wallet, but you can have wallets from other chains there that you can pull from, which I think is really a powerful concept. Now, not only is that digital identity, you know, displaying your, your, your brand or your persona, but it does so by pull, it's like a date aggregator too, right? Very interesting. And that also means that you're getting multiple, yeah. Multiple chains. Yeah. That's a yeah, great sorry. use case. That's great. Because I think that like so many of us have a dot ETH, that is probably the most popular so far. You might correct me and tell me that it's not the most popular. You know better than I do. Well, given, given that there are three, yeah, there's 3.6 million. We have actually more domains than they do today. So we would be number one. It depends on how you de- define popularity. <laughs> I think I, guess def- I would say. I guess that. I'm defined. But now that now we support, obviously, .eth too. So now you can actually see your .eth in our ud.me profile. So if you look at mine today, you can see that .eth that's up there loud and proud as well. Yeah, which is amazing that Unstoppable is now supporting .eth. To be honest, the reason I was most excited about this announcement is you enable recurring payments on your .eth, which if you mm-hmm. sign up for your .eth through ENS, you do, have, do not have automatic payments, which is just a UX nightmare for people like me who are unorganized and have that difficulty remembering things. I have to go back in and renew my payment. So they, that, that's such a simple thing that makes me so pleasantly happy. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I mean, I, I would have to tell you, I was doing interviews around this, the number of reporters who said, oh man, do you know, I, I got ADHD. I forgot to set my setting. And so I lost my dot ETH, which I think is real interesting. It was like the number one thing I heard from all these reporters out there. Yeah. So just going back here, what Unstoppable is leading us towards is having one domain that manages all of our on-chain activity and becomes, whether that be crypto activity, financial activity, whether that be collecting activity, whether that be gaming activity, whether that be identity-based activity, and 
that will all fall under one domain that connects all chains, as opposed to us having to have a .eth for ETH, a .polygon for Polygon. This will all fall under one. That's fascinating. This is I hadn't even really fully wrapped my head around this. It's such a big part of what you're building. I think it's really important that you know, even when you, I'm going to pen up there right now, this, uh, my profile page and you guys can go to it. Anybody can go to it, you know, to check it out. Now that does mean though, I will tell you that I get to decide who gets to see what data, when they get to see it, how long they get to see it, how much they get to see. So you might go out to my profile and go, oh gosh, you're sharing everything. I'm not, I've hidden a bunch of stuff that I don't want everybody to see. And I can decide tomorrow, I want to hide some more stuff or I want to unveil some more stuff or whatever. I think that's really the most powerful point is I decide as the owner of my data, I decide who gets to see what, when, and how they get to see that data, which I think is, you know, super important as well. And it's not just super important. It's not just all like you're showing an example here of your. I'll call it a profile, your ud.me profile. But it's also, as you mentioned with last week, Unstoppable launching your marketplace. And there's over 870 apps already on there. You would log in with your .nft and then they would mm-hmm. access your content or access content is the wrong word, access your data through permissions, correct? That's correct. So like if you go out, you can try any application out, but I was just with Bandit this morning. They're an T marketplace out of Asia. They came here to Europe because they have a lot of European customers and they were showing me their new login with us. And so you, if you go and you log in with Sandy.nft, what pops up is it says, we would like to have your email, you know, your country, your this, your that. And you can pick, yep, I'll give you this. I won't give you this. I won't give you this. Yep, you can have this. And I can go in and change those anytime. Again, you know, maybe today I feel like sharing my email. Maybe if you send me 72 emails, I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) So I'm going to go in there and change that as well. Yeah, so you get to decide what data you want to share, when you want to share it. And the app can pop that up and say, hey, I do want this data from you. Are you okay with that? Much back to your question on will you share your data at all times? No, you may not. You may decide that at some time you're not going to share a particular type of data. I'm just mind blown and so excited about everything you guys are doing out of Unstoppable because this is leading the way around identity, which is such a needed issue within the Web2 world is we need to be able to have ownership of our data and to control the usage of our data from apps. And you guys are doing that. One question, Sandy, how does human verification or humanity verification work within Unstoppable? Are you using another app for that or another provider? Are you doing it within Unstoppable? Yeah, right now we have Persona. We have a couple of different ones that we can use and partner with. And we're exploring others just to make it even better experience. One of the interesting things we found out most of our Web2 customers will verify and have no problem doing that verification. But most of our three, I would say native DGENs, will not share that information. So it's really fascinating to see the dichotomy 
and who will share that data and who won't share the data, even though it's it's kind of zero proof, right? You're not going to be sharing your birthday and your, you know, your gender and everything else. You're just going to verify, hey, I'm over 18 or hey, I, I am a U.S. citizen. You don't actually get the actual nuts and bolts. Data, mm-hmm. you just get the answers to the questions that the app is looking for. Most Web3 users today will not use or leverage that, which I found fascinating. Well, there's such a belief in anonymity in Web3 that I still think there isn't yet this under and there's also and ZK proofs are still so nascent and it's so early that there's a lot of fear, and rightfully so, because a lot of people have had their data shared, have had fraud happen to them as a result of Web 2. So it's this, there's this in- interesting point of adoption when you have people who come at it from a, okay, I'm coming at this from a, I want to own, own all my stuff and I don't want to share anything. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit slower on the uptake. But I think long-term, as the masses come in, to Web3 and come on chain, which we haven't even seen yet. We're still in the first inning here with only, you know, 20 million of us active on a regular basis, 300 million wallets or something like that globally. You know, it's still, we're just scratching the surface. So once the math has come in, I think we'll see more uptake on people willing to to share those, those basic things. As you said, in a way that is, you know, it's pretty protected. You're not getting full access to everybody's address or their exact age or their gender. You just get access to the parameters that you need in order to provide your experience. Yeah, that's right. And I do think that, you know, data, that information that proves that you're a person, not a bot, will become increasingly important as AI grows in popularity as well. And so we we are constantly looking at ways that we could make that that checkpoint for our you know our audience, which is Web three, how we make that much more amenable. In fact, if anybody has any ideas, let me know. You know, because I think simply the verification that you are a person and not a bot is going to become so important that somehow, some way, we need to be able to offer that up. It's a great point. Let's all let's all put our heads together. Web three Academy community, come together. How can we ensure that we don't enter a world of bots who produce everything and we don't even know that it's a bot? Because that that is going to become a problem. Okay, Sandy, want to wrap up here. We're at the end of our time. I want to just ask you a couple fun questions before we wrap up. I know you guys just launched .ENS. You got the marketplace. Where do you want to share? For our audience, what next steps should they take to get involved in Unstoppable? We just announced that we're supporting .eth today. That is not a collusion. We are using the ENS contract. So, uh, you know, you can, um, if you buy your .eth from us, you can go and add things through the ENS profile. It's all using their contract. So it's not a collision at all. So uh, one of the three things that we do, I think that adds value, especially for a newer person in the space, is that we allow you to buy that with a credit card or PayPal. You also can store that in a vault, which is not a wallet. So it means you don't actually have to have a crypto wallet. 
you can store it and then it's it's still yours that you do, then will transfer that into a wallet if you decide ever to get a wallet. And we do the auto renewal, which you called out earlier to, today. So I think that's pretty awesome. So we would love for you guys to go and, you know, pick up your new .eth or your new .nft or your new .crypto and start getting set up for, you know, this new space of Web3. And then to help you, once you get that, to help you figure out where the usage is, where you can use it, what your utility is, the marketplace is a fabulous space to go to see all the different applications where you can use that .nft or that .crypto. We also have uh, featured apps every month. So right now we're featuring, right on topic, we're featuring those Web3 apps that also leverage AI to make their customer experience better or to help and support you as you're better. So you'll see, you know, 12 featured apps on the top as well. Again, really focusing on, um, on AI. So we'd love for you to join us and also give me feedback, right? If there's other stuff that you want to see, other extensions, you know, dot .sold or dot um, .algo that you'd like to see sold in a one-stop shop, I'd love to hear about those too. So just reach out to me on Twitter or basically any platform. You can pick it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. A couple speed round questions, just some fun personal questions, Sandy. First question, what's one thing you bought recently for under $100 that brings you joy? Does not have to be a digital product. That brings joy. Let's see. Well, I just went to, I'm here in Paris. And so I brought a chocolate croissant this morning that brought me such incredible joy. I can't even tell you. It was probably five bucks. <laughs> but the croissants are are amazing here. Yeah. So that would be what I just recently bought. I was in Paris last summer and I had probably five croissants a day. They are just so good. I don't know what it is, <laughs> they, how they make them so much better than anywhere else in the world. Not probably just a ton of butter, but wow. Yeah, I completely got to agree with that. Okay, next question. Uh, a must-read book. Oh my goodness. There are so many must-read books that are out there. Let me see. What is one of my very favorite books that I would... Well, I don't know. I love murder mystery books. I know that's probably going to be strange. I know. I know. You're like, what? What is she talking about? But I do. I love murder mystery books because it helps me to relax and it helps me, you know, I'm solving a problem at the same time. So I love anything written by Jack Carr. He was uh, an ex-Navy SEAL and his books are action-packed, but they have all these like twists and turns and everything. So I love that. But if I could, I, I don't know if you, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just wrote a book about Web3 and all those great immersive experiences that you talked about and AI. And uh, it's not released yet, so you can't actually read it, but it's called The Tiger and the Rabbit. And it's my very first book writing a business fable. Even though I actually had to write dialogue and all that. I've written books on, you know, SOA and AI and marketing and, you know, product management before, but I've never written a book that is a business fable. So I'd love for you guys to read it and be gentle on my feedback because like I said, I've never done that dialogue piece before. <laughs> That's wonderful. So when does it come out? When can we read it? Oh, you can order it today. So it's available right now on Amazon. You can just look up Tiger and Rabbit, Sandy Carter. It comes out August, I think August 30th or maybe 31st, but okay. around that time frame. Okay, great. We'll, we'll put 
those listening to the podcast will put the link in the show notes. Uh, Sandy, if you can right now, you can put the link on Twitter for those listening on Twitter. I'm definitely going to go. Um, yeah, I'm glad I do that. that. Yep. For sure. Okay, last question, Sandy. This is a tough one. And so feel free to take a minute to think about it. If you had a billboard that one billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? Oh, man, billboard. I mean, for me, it would be something like be kind. And I know that's probably, you know, very simplistic. But I do think that, you know, in Web3, we were just chatting this morning in the session that, you know, we're seeing companies that are coming back year after year at ECC and companies that are still building. And we were talking about what's the commonality between those. We had like a little focus group, a little group of people, I guess, that one of the um, EC, ETH global groups was asking today, what do you think the commonality is? And do you know what was interesting is people said the most common thing among all those companies that are still building, still around in Web3, was that their teams were kind, they were giving, they were helpful. I just sat there and thought about that. That's really impactful to me. Kind, I don't think ever goes out of style. And many people don't feel you can be kind and win in the market. But as you do look at who's still around and who's building, a lot of those people are the ones who are are being kind. I do really buy into kind of purpose and profit that you have to do both to be really successful. And again, I'm going to have to go do some research, but that's what everybody said today at the roundtable. Well, you know what's interesting is We've asked that question to every interview that we've done, whether it be a Twitter space or a podcast, uh, and we've done over a hundred over the last year, year and a half. And be kind is the most common thing that people say to that question. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The most common. Most most people either say probably. 25% say something business related. They use the billboard to promote their business and their marketers at heart. I would say probably 25% of people say something like that is a, you know, a quote that inspires them that comes from, you know, maybe a quote on their wall or something like that, which is whatever. And then there's a good portion that say be kind or something similar in vain. So I think you completely right. It is such a simple message, but so important, especially when we're in a bear market, whether or not we're in a bearable. I mean, XRP might have changed things last week, that's for sure. But we are definitely in a point when you're growing new tech and when you build something new, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs and you don't know what somebody else is going through. And it is so important to just take a minute to be kind. It doesn't cost you anything and it can make such a difference in someone else's life. You know, Don't judge seek first to understand has always been my my motto. So great message to end off today's conversation. I love it. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody listening in, make sure you go and grab a domain from Unstoppable. We'll include a link in the show notes. We'll have a link to Sandy's book as well. Sandy, have a great time at ETHCC. Thank you so much. I'll be posting throughout. So follow me to get the scoop. And thank you guys so much. You guys at Web Academy do so many amazing things. So thank you guys for all that you're doing. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely 
and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.